Christmas Day, we've been meet on New Year's Day, and snow day. That's, we had a snow day. Church never gets snow days. When did that start happening? <laughs> so last Sunday we had a snow day, and today as I'm driving in up the hill here, over on the bank, I don't know if any of the rest of you noticed inside the church property, the forsythia are blooming. Are you kidding me? January 15th. The forsythia are starting to bloom over here on the side. Your daffodils are up? Oh gosh. Yeah, that's, I don't think this is good. <laughs> I think we have more winter coming. Uh, so if you feel confused this morning, you're not alone. Uh, the natural order is a little confused uh, this morning as well. Um, I hope you had a good Christmas and a, a good New Year's, and that the, the new calendar year is off uh, to a good start uh, for you. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for those of you who uh, prayed for me and for Chassie. Um, we went to Florida. Uh, some of you know, some of you don't know. Some of you, uh, we went to Florida uh, yeah, the week before Christmas uh, to move, uh, to pack up her biological father's house who died last spring, emptied that house, took a week to do that, and um, had a lot of conversation with her that week. Uh, we had a lot of opportunity for her to tell a little bit more of her story that even I hadn't heard over the years. Um, I think it was really good. It was hard. It was a hard week, uh, but it was good, and it was, there were a lot of beautiful moments. And um, we, we felt prayed for, we really did. So um, deeply grateful for, I know a lot of you were praying uh, for us and uh, it, was, it was a good week. And um, so thank you very much for that. Um, and as we start a new week, a new year in this class and we have a new, uh, a new president the really important president that matters, Brian Botts. <laughs> uh, we also want to thank Carol for her leadership the past year. It's been wonderful to work uh, with her. She makes everything so easy. Um, the, the bar is really high, Brian. You know that. Really high. So... Uh, but we wouldn't put you in that position if we didn't think you were up to it. So yeah, nothing else going on in your life. No kids or anything. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. 
So in addition to, I feel like I haven't, not only have I not been in Sunday school for a month, I feel like I haven't been in town for most of the last month. I was in Florida for a week, actually drove from Florida after I moved Chassie out of the house. I drove her father's car to uh, just outside of Charleston where we spent the next week with our family for um, Christmas. This is my wife's strategy over the last three years. Uh, we, we used to meet at our house for Christmas, but then the kids would never be there. They'd go visit their friends. It's like, we're your friends. <laughs> Aren't we? Aren't we still friends? <laughs> and so my wife got clever and she said, you know, we're just going to, we're, we're, we're done buying Christmas gifts. We're done spending November, December buying people things they don't need. So we're just going to go somewhere for Christmas and just be together. That's all we're going to do. And that's what we've done in the last three years. And it's amazing. Because uh, there's nowhere for the kids to go. They gotta be with us, <laughs> right? And, and at least, you know, for a few hours a day, they seem to kind of like it. It seems okay, right? And we like them. We remind ourselves we like each other. So it's good, it's good. So, um, yeah, so we were on uh, Folly Beach uh, for that week. It wasn't really beach weather, but it, you know, it was quiet. No one else was there. Uh, had pretty much the beach to ourselves. And then I came back and then I went to New Orleans for a week. Um, you think I'm a world child? I don't ever do this. Um, the annual, some of you know, I go to the annual society of the Christian ethics meeting for the annual meeting of the Christ, uh, Society for Christian Ethics. And so I was in New Orleans for almost, well, I was there an extra, it took me an extra day to get back because I was trying to travel last weekend, right? Um, that was a mistake. Um, so had an extra night in Charlotte, but I'm here and of course we started school this week so now I actually have to work. Um, yeah, I know you're feeling really bad for me. I only had to work two days this week so what, you know, school. Uh, so here we are and um, if you were here last year, um, you know we finished up a series on vulnerability. And one of the reasons we talked, there were lots of reasons to talk about vulnerability, um, but one of them is that we're all vulnerable. Um, I mean, vulnerable just means to have the capacity to be wounded, and we all have the capacity to be wounded and to wound. And what we explored together um, for the past couple months was not only are we vulnerable, but we worship and serve a God who is surprisingly vulnerable. Uh, and that we reminded that that's not something we often think about, is how vulnerable God is, how God reveals God's very self to be vulnerable. That God is open to being wounded not just us, and so that somehow, that maybe when we think about what it means to be created in the image of God, you know, theologians have thought from the very beginning, like, when you read that passage in Genesis, and it talks about us being created in the image of God, what is that? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? And lots of things have been said. Um, but I don't think all the years that I thought about that, I ever thought about part of what it means to be created in the image of God is to be created vulnerable. 
right, to be created with the capacity to be wounded. And that that's not a mistake on God's part. Um, that God is a vulnerable God and that we are God's vulnerable creatures. And so I mentioned at the end of the last calendar year that when we finally got back together and started having class again, that we would uh, start reflecting together um, on, on dying and, and caring for the dying. Um, as, in some ways, an extension of this notion of vulnerability. Um, and I and I want us to do that. And today we're just going to start reflecting together on why we might do this together, why it might be important for us to do this together. Uh, I've got my little cards here. You know, I don't go anywhere without my cards now. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't been here before, uh, one of the things I've learned to do in this class, because there's a wealth of wisdom in this class sitting here, um, it is to get you to help me think about what we should be thinking and talking about in the coming weeks with regard to this. And so at some point this morning, I'll get some help distributing this to those of you who want one. Um, so that you can share your thoughts about uh, what might, as we begin to talk about this, because I'm not standing up here and won't be standing up here as some expert on this topic. Um, I'm mainly here to convene uh, our gathering together around this topic because I have this deep sense, just as I had this deep sense that we needed to reflect together about vulnerability, I have this deep sense that maybe it would be good for us uh, to talk about this together. Um, understanding quite clearly ahead of time that uh, there's lots of reasons what we might give for not doing this. Uh, but thinking that it would, might be in, important for us to do. So I hope that we'll see, my, my prayer has been uh, the past month as I've been thinking about this, is my, my prayer is that our conversations about dying would be life-giving. That's my prayer. Um, that, that our conversations around dying would be life-giving. That might sound paradoxical. Um, but I don't, I don't think that it is, really. Um, and so, really what I'd, I'd like us to do today is just sort of talk a little bit, to, to hear you say a little bit. Um, and maybe we would, could, could start with the sort of obvious question um, that we need to get out on the table and, and, and talk about, and that is, what, why, do, why do you think, um, from your own experience, and we're not all alike, so that's one of the reasons I want to solicit your own input here, but why do you, why do you think that we find it 
so difficult? Many of us, maybe not all of us, but why do, why do many of us, myself included, um, find it difficult to talk openly about dying? What are some of your thoughts on that? Fear of the unknown. Yeah, fear of the unknown. Most of us haven't died, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, it's true, right? I mean, we, we haven't, and, and most of you haven't been in conversation with people who have. And I'm just stating the obvious, right? I mean, and so to get, so it really does feel like it's unknown, isn't it? I mean, it's a, on the, so what, so what we think about how easy it is, how natural, how absolutely natural it is to be, to have some fear about what we don't know, but that we know we have to go through, right? And so it's not, it's not a matter of if we will die, right? We will. And so here's an experience that we will have to go through, but it's, it's kind of unknown to us. We don't exactly know how that's going to go. So why wouldn't we have some anxiety, some fear about that? So, so I think that's important to say and, and to be honest about and not to feel any shame about Right? I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty natural human condition to be afraid, at least a little bit, right, of that which we don't know anything about. Right? So, so, yeah, I mean, that sounds very obvious, but I think it's worth just slowing down a little bit and saying, what's going on there? So, fear of the unknown is certainly one reason why we might find it hard to talk about. Go ahead and then. Well, no, I, I say it's just a subject you don't like to face. And another thing is, I just went through my estate planning, so I have everything in order when I die. Go and picked out my own casket and everything. Mm. I mean, people don't think about those things, and I mean, it's just something that comes in life. And my boys, of course, thought, "Mom, you're not going to go yet." And I said, "Well, no, but I'm going to be prepared." And to, to face it, I mean, I don't know when I'm leaving. Yeah, that's a great point. And so part of what makes it difficult is that it makes other people uncomfortable. Right, right. right? So even people who know that they, or feel like they have some responsibility to think about it and talk about it, sometimes find it difficult to find the space and room to think and talk about it because it makes other people uncomfortable. Some people feel like the whole conversation is just morbid, yes, yes. right? And so it shouldn't be talked about. Right. So don't don't talk that way. You're not going anywhere, right? And so I mean that's that's what people say, right? And and they feel like they're they're doing the well-meaning thing, right? Because they want you to know they still care about you, still want you to be here, and so there's a number of dynamics that feels like it shuts down the conversation before it can get started. One of the things I think we don't do is differentiate between the fear of death and the fear of dying. And because we're Christians, we're 
not supposed to be a fear, be afraid of death. And so we feel like if we're afraid of dying, then that's uh, uh, a, a, a negative relationship in our Christianity. And so we need to be able to separate those two and deal honestly with the fear of dying while understanding that we have no fear of death of where we will be uh, past that point. Right. So if you couldn't hear that, the helpful notion that for Christians there's this distinction between dying, uh, the human process of dying, um, and, and death. Um, and that um, it might be important to make an inst a distinction between the fear of dying and the fear of death. And I think that's, that's helpful. Well, my father, in the last two years of his life, talked on that very subject and got accepted it. Hmm. He wasn't afraid of death. Hmm. He really wasn't. But he said, I, he said, I really fear dying. Yeah. Yeah. We both had three parents within a short period of time, and then, then a few years later, we took an elderly, Walt's elderly aunt. And, and you know, if you could, I said when I had breast cancer, if the chariot would just come and get me, I'd be okay. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but it's, it's that lingering and having watched people. That's, and I know that was my father's creed. He said, I don't fear dying. I fear not dying. I don't want to. You know, to have to be in a uh, nursing home, hmm. not able to take care of myself, and so forth. And I think, I really think, if you if you watched it, that that I mean, that's my fear. I know I'm going to die. Yeah. I, don't, I try to live each day that maybe this is my last, but but I sure don't want to have to linger in a in a nursing home bed. And and we've already made arrangements that that there's not to be any. Uh, extreme hmm. to, to keep us here, but you know. yeah. So part of, part of the fear of dying, and this is complicated. We want to hear from others of you too, but um, is well. Let's 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 back up. And remind ourselves that something's easy to forget, and that is at the beginning of the the twentieth century in nineteen hundred. If you were a male. The average age expectancy was 46. Okay, it's easy to forget that. This is a little over 100 years ago. 46 years old. That was the average age. Um, life expectancy, 46 years old. Okay. Um, and now it's the upper 70s, right? Uh, 78 years old. So think about that. In just over 100 years, we've had 30 years. To, which is which is a beautiful thing, right? I mean, that's a, a wonder of medicine, and that has made us, given us the capacity to live longer, richer lives, right? I mean, there's there's a lot to be grateful about that. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that it has meant for many people uh, what you named as lingering, right? And the fear of lingering which for a lot of people means uh, the fear of being a burden on someone else, right? This is, I'm guessing, because I've listened to a lot of people talk about this, what a lot of people fear is being a burden 
to their their family when it comes to dying right and so so yeah the difference between the fear of death and somehow trying to have that assurance trusting in God that we are in God's care after we die uh, that's might be the fear of death, but the fear of dying is what's what's the process look like, and is it life giving, um, or does it is it something other than that? And all of you in this room have had uh, experience with people dying in your life, and we could spend the next three months just hearing your stories, very different stories. Uh, that have very different ways this has unfolded. Um, and that's part of the unknown too. It's not just the unknown of death, but the unknown of dying. Most of us don't know how our dying will unfold. And we have, we have ways that we would rather it happen than others, but most of us know we may have less control. That's one of our fears, right? That we'll have less control over our dying that we might like to have. Right. Well, when, when Molly's mom died, when Molly's mom died, we sort of expected it, like you always, you're going to be around it. But there's a lot of logistics involved, like where would she like to be buried? Where's her insurance? There's no pre-planning. Well, they were us pre-planning. That's what made things a little bit easier. So we looked at it ourselves and did some pre-planning with the funeral home so that it makes it, if you think about it, it makes it, they've got two days to make up their mind what they're going to do about you. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, need, need to call the the natives back to order here. Get a little, so it happens when you don't meet for a month, you get a little unruly. Molly and I did it to make it easy on our heirs. Right. Because we could see the turmoil that people would go through trying to figure out where all this stuff is. What do we do? Right. And now it's set up to make things easy. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, to think about easier. Easier, yeah. I think the perception is you, if you talk about death, you're not praying for healing. Mm. And it's the conflicting things. If, if you're praying for healing and at the same time you're talking about dying, does right. that mean you, you're, you don't have enough faith and they won't be healed? Right. That's a great point. So one of the reasons we're uh, hesitant to have this conversation about dying is if if we start talking about dying or give people permission who are dying to talk about dying, which actually a lot of them want, but they're afraid that we're awkward with it. And so, um, not everyone, but some people who are dying actually would like to be able to talk about it, but have a hard time finding anyone who will talk about it because we feel like if we start talking about dying, it sends the signal we've given up hope. And so I think it is that mixed signal. And so again, that's one of these dynamics where it gets difficult. Um, and yes, 
So there's a lot going on. Why else do you think we find it difficult, Carol? Loss of independence and hmm. depending on somebody else. I don't yeah. think any of us want to lose our independence. Yeah, so we are um, incredibly, most of us, proud people. And we do cherish our independence. It's, it's one of the key virtues in American culture. And dying threatens that. And most of us feel the threat of that. And so talking about dying um, means acknowledging, in many cases, that just as we came into this life, absolutely independent, uh, dependent, right? When you and I were born, we were absolutely dependent. That for, for many of us, unless we die a very quick death, most of us will die in a process in which we are increasingly dependent. That will mirror our entry. The difference is that we'll be aware of that, many of us, whereas a child doesn't necessarily know. An infant doesn't know. That little precious infant back there in Tanya's arm doesn't know that it's dependent. So it's not really anxious about it. In fact, she's asleep. She seems pretty much okay with that. Right? Um, but our consciousness, our being aware that we are increasingly dependent um, makes us anxious, many of us. Um, because a lot of our life has been, a lot of the ways that our own self-image has been rooted in our being independent people. And so it doesn't feel like we're, it's not simply the idea that we're losing our independence. We feel like we're losing who we are, right? Um, who am I now that I can't, if I'm less and less able to take care of myself and make choices and make all these kinds of anxieties, and so it's hard, it makes it hard to talk about. Other reasons why you think this conversation is difficult to have? Yes, when, Michelle. Uh, when Jeff was sick in the fall, we had these hard conversations, and one of the things that we kept saying was, but we're, you're not done yet. You know, we've still got to we've still got kids and you still have to walk the girls down the aisle and you, you, we still have to graduate them from high school and, and I don't know that you ever feel like you're done. Hmm. You know, that you can just say, okay, I'm ready. Just be done. Yeah, so a lot of us, if I'm understanding you, part of the reason the conversation is hard because it may... It doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem real, I think that's right. right. Um, all of us, um, well, yeah, our imaginations outrun ourselves, right? I mean, and so we imagine doing things. I mean, I imagine doing things uh, all the time. I mean, I have a crazy example. I had a conversation with, I, I go to lunch every Friday with three of my best male friends. And um, one of the things we talk about is books that we're reading. And I told them this week, I said I had a, I had a sort of epiphany in preparing this series of uh, uh, lessons 
that uh, you know you have your bucket list things you want to do before you die and I felt like I need another thing much bigger than a bucket I don't know what it's gonna call um, the image I have is like if you lived on the farm you had those great big watering troughs like you need one of those so I got my bucket list over here and I got the trough over here and uh, that's where I'm gonna throw things I'm gonna say you know what I'm actually not gonna do that you know I mean, I'd like to do it, it'd be a good thing to do, but I need to be honest, I'm never gonna do that. Right? And so, and, and to be okay with that. Now I'm not there yet, but I'm saying I need that too. <laughs> to be honest, that there is gonna be a limit. Um, I don't know what the limit is. Uh, but there is a limit to what I'm going to do. And that's, that's part of what makes this conversation difficult, is the recognition that we're, we're limited. Even though in my daily experience, I often don't think about that, right? I think about all the things I want to do, all the things I have yet to do that would be good and beautiful to do. Absolutely. Why else is the conversation hard? Watching other people in pain. Yeah. <clears throat> I went to a funeral where the child a child had died mm. and she was younger than four and everything around her death was an unpleasant thought mm. number, primarily because of her age but she was taking Ritalin and the doctors ultimately thought that's what killed her mm. so it was very unpleasant and the father sat on the first row of the funeral home and you could not hear any person cried louder than he did mm -hmm. over and over and over while the mother stood there like the rock of gibraltar shaking people's hands he was mm -hmm. just bawling it was just a... so seeing people in pain yeah so so sometimes talking about dying reminds us that it's for many people and just sort of ripples of people um, it's enormously painful um, and painful to see painful to experience and as you remind us I mean dying comes in so many different ways I went to the funeral yesterday of uh, Gladys Solly who died at 101 years old and uh, next Saturday I'll go to the funeral of Susan Pace White that some of you read about, who uh, for the last 15, 17 years has been teaching my daughters to dance ballet. She's run, for 40 years, has run the, the, band, the ballet studio in Jonathan City. Um, and then there are children who are dying. And our experience of those is different. It's absolutely true. Um, and the way we talk about it is, is rightly different. Um, so that there's different kinds of difficulties in, in having this conversation. Randall? Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever thought about it, but if you have a fear, will you die quick or will you suffer for a while? Will you die? Because I remember I was in the hospital pretty much. <coughs> Well, my parents, my mother died in bed, and my father just had a heart attack and died in front of 
Yeah. Yeah, thank you. The whole, so one of the reasons, one of the complicating issues around talking about dying is, is that if we're honest, all of us have an idea that if, if we had a choice, although we know that many of us won't have a choice, but if we had a choice, a lot of us have in our minds a way that we would prefer to die. Right? Uh, maybe, some, maybe some of us don't, but I suspect many of us do. We thought about this. I think it's true. Um, and for a lot of us, um, it, we would prefer to go quickly. Um, and again, I think that's partly because in our day and age where prolonging life has become a science, it has. Um, we have seen a lot of people linger in ways that we are not sure we're ultimately life-giving. At least we have questions about that, right? We're not sure that was always a good thing. Um, although again, who, who doesn't want every moment they can have with a loved one? So I mean, it's complicated, right? I mean, this is why it's so hard to talk about. But just to offer a tiny bit of cultural perspective, just to remind us how much of this is culturally formed, the ancient Greek people feared a sudden death. It might be surprising to us. Their sensibilities were exactly opposite of ours. What they feared was that a quick death would not allow you to make peace before you died. So they didn't want to die a quick death. They, they, they would rather what we call linger. Now again, I want to be clear, they never imagined the kind of lingering that we make possible, to be clear, um, where it could be years, right? Um, but one of their, uh, one of their ideas of a, a good death was that it was a death that left time to bring closure with those you needed closure with. Because for a lot of us in this room, um, myself included, who had you know, both my parents died like that. I never got to say goodbye to either one of them. Didn't know they were going to die. The day they woke up, I had no idea they were going to die, and neither did they. Right? And I had unfinished business with both of them. Right? Uh, not huge things. I mean, it's not like I live with regrets, but some people do. Right? And so, again, uh, dying comes in different ways. It creates different kinds of... Uh, challenges for us and um, as I said my my prayer for us this I don't know how long we're going to do I, I never know you know this you know me long enough I can't tell you how we're going to do this I don't know uh, we'll let it unfold naturally and just see when it feels like we're done um, but my prayer is that making the space for this conver this conversation for us to have together as awkward and uncomfortable as it might be that ultimately it will feel life-giving um, because often I mean I don't know your experience but I'm in my late 50s 
I've been in church my entire life. I've never been in a context that had this conversation. Now maybe you have, and if, if so, that's wonderful. <laughs> Good for you. But I think it's rare, and I'm not really clear why it's rare, but it feels like it's rare, and it seems like we should have it. I mean, if we can't have this conversation here, where can we have it? Uh, we should be able to have this conversation here. And so I want us to have it. And I'm hoping it will be, in some ways, freeing and, and liberating. Yes? I'm not sure why you've chosen this subject. It could be that our age in this group. <laughs> 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 but a few years back, we decided that we had all of our legal stuff, you know, ready. But we gathered our family and begin to talk about our choices. Hmm. And Jim and I both want to be cremated, so we were talking about our ashes. And I realized that our family was sitting there in horror hmm. at us talking about that. So yeah. I said, well, I only have one request. Don't sprinkle any of my ashes around the pond. Well, that's where the geese come. <laughs> and our oldest son, Jimmy, began to laugh, and I knew then that my ashes would <laughs> I think why it's so hard to talk about it, we know it's a reality, but I want to rejoice in each day, and I want to come to church to celebrate my faith and not come and hear gloom and doom. So I'm not sure how the rest of the class feels, but this doesn't excite me. Yeah. It's a reality <laughs> right. that we all face, but I want to find joy in each day that I have left. I want my children and my grandchildren to find joy in each day that they have left. Yeah. So that's just my... No, I appreciate you saying that. And, here, and here's what I want to say. Uh, that almost everything I read on this topic says that if you actually talk about that, this will happen, right? Um, if we can actually talk about dying, we will be more alive than ever. Because we don't realize how much this hangs over our heads. And so the freedom to talk about it, that's why I say I want it to be life-giving. Right? I don't want it to be gloom and doom. I really want us to have a conversation that will make us, the, whatever number of days we have left, will make those fuller, richer, better than if we hadn't had the conversation. That's absolutely my desire, my prayer. So, but my, my worry is that raising the topic will make it seem like we're going to have gloom and doom and depression for the next eight weeks. Right? And who wants to come to that? Next week it's going to be me and Wallace. Right? Yeah. He's already left. So I'll be talking to myself. So there's so much. I, I, I want to hear more people, but I also want to honor the fact that we're out of time. So that's why I have the cards. Um, Jason, if you want to put something on a card about something you think we should be talking about in the next several weeks, put your hand up and Jason will give you a card. Otherwise, the rest of them will go back on the back table. Okay? Um, and I'll just kind of wind this up so we can get to... Yeah, raise your hand if you want a card. I'm not going to call on you, I promise. Um, 
And, they, and these will be here for the next several weeks, so you don't have to decide this today, but um, I really, every series where I've done this, where I have asked for your input about what are the kinds of things we should be talking about, it has helped enormously for me. Um, I, I really want to be able to uh, benefit from your insight and your suggestions. So thank you, Sandy, for saying that, because I think a lot of people are, like this conversation, a lot of people are thinking it but didn't want to say it. So thank you for saying that. Um, and if it turns out over the next several weeks, you know, if two, three, four weeks into it, you just feel like um, this really is becoming doom and gloom, then just tell me, because I'd like to know that. I don't, I don't think it will, because uh, the things that I'm reading, the things I want to talk with you about, I don't think are that way. Let, let's pray together, then we need to get El Presidente up here, because he's got announcements. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are Lord not only over life, but over death. And yet we confess that we have fears about the process of our own dying and the process of the dying of those we love. And we know that we find it difficult to talk about, and we pray that you might give us the grace and the freedom and the openness to talk openly in the coming weeks about this, guided by uh, your wisdom and your guidance that we might be uh, set free to live more fully uh, all the days of our life. We pray this through Christ in whom we find life and who has conquered death. 